podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the first of three Wisdom Cricket Weekly Decade in Review podcasts brought to you in association with Perry, delivering distinctive club blazers made in Yorkshire since 1946. Over the course of this week, we'll be picking the Wisdom Women's Team of the Decade, the Wisdom Men's ODI Team of the Decade and the Wisdom Men's Test Team of the Decade. Today, we're kicking things off with the Wisdom's Women's Team of the Decade. I'm Yaz Ron and on our panel today to decide the Women's Team of the Decade is the editor of Cricket Her, Raph Nicholson. The Daily Telegraph's Izzy Westbury and Wizard Cricket Monthly columnist, amongst many other things, Adam Collins. Welcome to the show all. How are we feeling? Excited or burdened by the weight of responsibility that comes with being a selector? I just like the way in which you introduced Adam. It's like saying um, BBC TMS's uh, Joe Root has just scored a century. Because <laughs> <laughs> he summarised once for them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Got to keep it relevant. You know what? Yeah, so I think it's worth saying off the top that I hope in 10 years' time we're not doing a, a catch-all. I think we should state that off the top, really, that um, I hope we play more Red Bull cricket or well, the women play more Red Bull cricket. Thus, there's a, a credible category there. And I hope we stop just lumping women cricketers together as 50 and 20 over without distinguishing between the two. And I hope that the semi-professional circuit, which has matured over the last four or five years, helps in that. And also the ICC Championship and the way that it's given greater opportunities for 50 over cricket. So I think this is great, but I also think that it'll be limited to that extent. So mm-hmm. there's that caveat on top of it that none of this will be quite perfect. Because and hopefully in ten years' time, when we sit down and do some version of this, we'll we'll be having three teams in the same way we are with the men. You know what's great about that statement is that it's probably one of the first statements I've heard about uh, how people would like women's cricket to go that I actually believe will happen. Um, I genuinely think that's I genuinely think that's a realistic possibility. I think there's so more much test cricket. No, no, more the, not so much that there will be more test cricket. I mean that that I still think is in the hope category, but yep. more that we will be judging cricket, women cricketers um, on individual um, formats as opposed to lumping it all in together because it's it's all part of. If you look at like awards, for example, nowadays you see five categories for men and then there's a women's award as well, which yeah. is again a good step. But I also do think that in ten years' time there will also be five categories for women, and I think that's that's a lovely thing to feel. Maybe I'm just light and fairy and trying to escape the general election but that's (laughs) that's what I think no I think you're right so I've recently become quite involved in the cricket society and they're definitely going down that path Mm. I think they've got at the moment they've got three schoolboy cricketers awards and none for school girls Um, and so they're introducing a new I may be speaking out of turn here but hey uh, they're introducing a new Charlotte Edwards award for um, leading schoolgirl cricketer and they're kind of trying to move towards having parity so like two awards for girls and two awards for boys so yeah I think that is the way it's going yeah I just like the idea of there being T20 specialists and 50 because we see in men's cricket now that just think of the England men's team that won the 50 over World Cup in what was it July this year whatever it is how will that resemble the, the side that, that plays in Australia in the World T20 next year in October, it'll be unrecognisable. And, and that's a good thing because cricket has diversified since the shortest form has become part of the, I guess, the the, the regular palette of, of options. Um, and, and yet you look at women's squads and often they're just kind of one squad. There might be one player here or there, which... Um, but And that's kind of how men's cricket was, to be fair, 10 years ago. You'd have the, the one-day international squad. And I remember in 2015, Cameron Boyce was flown out to Cardiff to play the one-off T20. And that was the only change from the from the 50-over squad. That would never happen now. So hopefully, yeah, I think that's just worth noting off the top that it's an imperfect science right here. And we'll see some positions accordingly who we wouldn't necessarily think they bat 
or bowl mm. where, they, where we're going to place them. And that's kind of due to that that job lot we're putting together here. Absolutely. Um, before we start, we need a few rules to help us pick the team. Number one, to be in consideration for selection, the, each player needs to have played at least 50 international matches across the decade. We're going to split the selection into three chunks. Openers, three to seven and eight to 11. There needs to be a wicketkeeper in the top seven and at least one spin bowler in the lineup. We'll try to pick the side through consensus. I'd rather it not go down to a vote each time, but I might be being very optimistic there. The alternate um, vote, the yeah. thing you guys <laughs> voted down in 2011, we can bring it back. Preferential I voting. I voted in favour of that. <laughs> it works well, trust me. Yeah, I voted. I campaigned for the AV as well, I think. So, yeah, who are you calling us, them guys? Yeah, English you know people? what I'm saying. <laughs> right, let's kick off with the openers. Raph, who would your first choice as opener for the decade be? Okay, well, I don't think that this is going to be particularly contentious, but I may be wrong. Um, so I think that Charlotte Edwards <gasps> should be one of no, our openers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously she had a very lengthy career. Um, she was playing for much of this decade um, that we're that we're particularly considering. Um, probably the first uh, female cricketer to kind of be a household name. Uh, and, and that wasn't just um, on the basis of kind of um, you know, I think that was largely because of performances on on the pitch. Um, you know, just very very prolific run scorer for England. Um, she didn't always open the batting, but I think for most of her career she was. So it's most um, kind of pertinent to have her right at the top of the order. Um, and yeah, I just don't think that there can be much arguing with it. Um, I don't know if you want me to flag up any particular kind of innings that I think make her worthy of a spot. Are we doing that? Or? Yeah, go on. Understand. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the first um, kind of series overseas that I covered as a journalist was the 2014 Women's Ashes um, in Australia. So right at the start of 2014. Um, and she was the captain for that series. Um, and I think that that series was probably the last time that um, England really kind of had the supremacy over Australia in women's cricket. Um, um, and she was kind of instrumental in that series victory and particularly um, her 92 not out um, at Hobart um, to win the T20 um, and win the Ashes for England. Um, it was just a kind of incredible effort. Um, and at the time, it was kind of a record-breaking performance by um, a an England uh, female cricketer um, in the T20 format. So, um, yeah, I just it was, a, it was a brilliant innings and I think kind of typifies the fact that, um, yeah, she was prolific and she achieved a lot in her career. Fantastic. What I think stands out with Lottie is that you go through the major tournaments, she's, just, she's always in the top five for runs scored. So, yet, one of the problems doing a team of the decade is that she retired in 2016 after the World T20. So, we're missing, a, I guess, the, the more modern generation of England players. But to echo what Raf said, we're talking about a, a player who we still reference constantly uh, in England cricket for a reason. Uh, and her numbers, by any metric, stack up. But um, yeah, if you were if you were going to look at the last four or five years, Tammy Beaumont's um, body of work is remarkable. Certainly in, in, at home in in the in the summers of 16, 17, 18, and even nineteen to an extent that hundred uh, she made at Leicester. Um, there's and she's been a Wisden Cricketer of the Year, of course, in that in that window too. But um, it, it's hard to ignore someone as formidable as Charlotte Edwards. Yeah, I mean, just playing devil's advocate a bit, um, Tammy Beaumont now has. I mean, we can also include Beaumont as well, of course. Um, but Beaumont, there is no English female batter who has more ODI runs at better average than Tammy Beaumont. Um, and then particularly if you include how she started her career, that's particularly impressive. Since the start of 2016, she averages 49 in ODI cricket. I think this is where you have to be really careful about the sort of parameters that we're using. I mean, is it just sheer volume of runs? But I think something that Raf brought up before we went on air, so to speak, was that the first half of the decades they played a lot less it was a completely different style of cricket as well um 
and the second half, I mean, if you look at the top 20 run scorers, top 10 run scorers across the whole decade, most of them are still playing right now because they've scored the weight of those runs probably in the last five years. And that, I think, almost adds weight to the Charlotte Edwards argument because she did retire in 2016. So she didn't have that wonderful kind of bounty coming into the the back end of this decade. Cool. It sounds like Edwards is in our team. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, and, and it was a point made before, but someone like Meg Lanning uh, opening the batting, it's happened quite an awful lot, but we'll be able to shuffle her into the into the middle order. without. She'll make the side, but if you're picking the team to play Mars tomorrow, I, th- I think Lanning's probably opening the batting due to the way that um, she's so prolific. Also at domestic level, doesn't really capture domestic cricket, but look at the big bash, she tallied more than 500 runs again uh, this year. She's done so consistently in that competition. Um, so, yeah, that, if I were picking a team to play to play Mars, I think I'd, I'd have Meg Lanning opening, perhaps with Charlotte, perhaps not. But um, that that's the that's the parameters we're working with. I mean, this side is basically a, an Earth eleven to pick to play yeah. Mars with mm. all these yeah. players at their very peak. Uh, see, I don't know if definitely. it is though because we have to think about context. I think. I mean, yeah. I'm a historian, so I would say that because <laughs> history is basically context. But you have to think about the way in which or the period in which people scored their runs. Um, and um, I guess if we're thinking about Tammy's whole career as well, then the fact that she, over a decade of her career, um, had kind of five very poor years, which she's openly acknowledged and has recently had some really good ones, but also the fact that um, you know the women's game has gone professional since 2014, whereas Lottie scored a lot of her runs, a period where she was you know going out to work nine to five and then doing her training in the evening and having to take time off to go on tour. I think that's incredible um, and makes her achievements all the more um, amazing, really. For fear of this becoming a sort of Charlotte Edwards, um, <laughs> we love you show. We do. Um, Happy to do that. <laughs> I've got hours of content on that. We can. I think, um, I, get, I guess I'm the only person here that's bold against her, um, Ooh, <laughs> to my detriment. Good claim. <laughs> and I'd almost say that the, the thing that I always thought made her stand out was whenever she watched the crease, I thought, if you look at her as a sort of physical specimen, the way in which she, the way in which she bats, her back lift, everything, I, I always thought, I can take you on. She doesn't look that imposing. It's almost she lulls you into a false sense of security. But then she just doesn't get out. And then she just pierces every single gap you can possibly find. It's that deceptiveness. It's that sort of, you always have that glimmer of hope and she always (laughs) smashes it back down. (laughs) And I don't think I've come across, again, I haven't bowled against everybody here, but on these lists that we've got in front, you know, the potential candidates. But I don't think there's any other player that has that kind of dangling the carrot and then just eviscerating all hope. Cool. What, what do we think about Edwards' opening partner? Any Anyone have a name that sticks out particularly at this point? Yeah, I'll, I'll nominate Susie Bates because I fear that there's a risk she'll get lost otherwise. Uh, Bates hasn't always opened. I don't think she's opening right now. I think they made a shuffle last year. Anyway, that's by the by. That I think that because of the way Bates has been shuffled and had multiple roles, including the, the captaincy for, for large sways of the last 10 years, that um, you, you see Medali Raj, and she's obviously done the work at the top of the order as well, but I think we'll find a room for Medali down the order where um, I'm a bit worried we won't find room for Susie, so I think that uh, an Edwards-Bates opening combo might be the right fit. That's my first thought anyway. Yeah, I mean, to support that, Bates has a 1,000 more ODI runs as an opener than anyone else over the course of the decade prior to the tournament 2013 World Cup yep. uh, leading runs going T20i cricket as an opener in that period as well so there's a, there's a very strong case for Bates as well any initial thoughts on, on that from either of you two? Yeah I think um I think I have tweeted on numerous occasions that I find that the most mouth-watering opening combination in uh, in women's cricket at the moment um, is New Zealand when they open with Susie Bates and Sophie Devine. Yeah, I guess incredible. we can maybe come on and talk about Sophie Devine at some point, but just those two together walking out to open the batting, like 
um, you know, what more can you ask for as a fan, as a spectator, as a journalist and, and as a supporter, I suppose. I'm going to throw a couple of other names out there. So Smriti Mandana, she's been brilliant over the last few years. Um, and just before we went on air, we were talking about Alyssa Healy, talking about who could potentially keep her. If you look at uh, run score by opening batters over the course of a decade, her numbers stand out because of her strike rate. It's really quite extraordinary. It's basically 15 better than anyone else has opened the batting over the last few years albeit from a much smaller sample size when the game has changed a bit. Um, but yeah, they've got other options as well, not just Edwards and Bates. Mm. Well, Healy's got the Beaumont problem. Uh, yeah. Beaumont didn't make a first, didn't make a half-century international cricket until 2016. Well into 16, I should add, after the World T20, she opened it at Leicester and made a, a 50, then 100 and 150 in three consecutive innings for England, which changed her whole career and you know, her life, really, I suppose you would say, as a professional uh, sportswoman. But Elisa Healy's journey has been similar in that, if you look at her, I don't have it in front of me, but her batting average in one day internationals after you know eight years or so in, in the side was, if it, it might have been 10. And that reflected the fact that she'd batted in every place in the order and, and had never really had a consistent job as a batter, more as a wicketkeeper who batted a bit. Uh, but yeah, since then, what an incredible... Uh, turn she's had so I tend to think if this were being a team of the last five years um, that would be an easy fix but uh, I think she'll be duking it out with Sarah Taylor down at number seven and we'll see who gets up there sounds like we do have some kind of consensus that was easier than I thought it was going to be Bates and Edwards at the top should we move on number three well Colo you've mentioned two names already that we we would almost assume would be in our middle order Meg Lanning and Mitali Raj do you want to talk about Lanning first of all Uh, just that you look at Lanning's centuries per innings it's uh it's better than anyone that's played the game, uh, man or woman. Uh, in terms of uh, how many innings she's played, so obviously Coley has more hundreds, but it's, uh, it's when you're looking at the men's category. Uh, but um, the frequency in which she's done it is remarkable. Um, she obviously had a well-documented battle with her shoulder uh, through the course of 2017. She's bounced back from that as well as she ever batted before. Uh, there's no doubt that she'll continue to play for, for many years yet. And I think this is, for me, that's probably the easiest decision was, was landing the slotting in there at number three. Raf, just a question for you. Do you do you think Lanning is is the most complete batter in the history of women's cricket? Oh, again, it's so hard. I mean, she's incredible in T Twenty cricket, and obviously that's a relatively recent phenomenon. Um, I guess all of the ones kind of back in the day, somebody like Rachel Hayo Flint, it's more about weight of runs and um, kind of uh, scored at a much slower pace. Um, whereas I've never seen anything like Meg Lanning at Chelmsford in the Women's Ashes last summer. It was just incredible, and it was from ball one. Uh, pretty much that she faced um, I think they had a slow first over and then from the second over it was just oh my goodness England have lost this um, within a few balls um, because of the way that she just came out and was like we're going to win and that's it um, and yeah as, as somebody who's been watching as, who has watched quite a lot of women's cricket I, I have to say I haven't seen anything like that before so yeah I would I would definitely have Lanning as my number three and I think she has batted um, reasonably often for Australia at number three so I think that's probably a fair spot to have her in She's also a player, I guess, that traverses um, the formats better than any, I mean, bar maybe Elise Perry. Um, so I think, again, for our sort of multi-format purposes, it's, uh, I mean, I know you want controversy, but I just don't see any way in which I can yeah. contest that, to be honest. I think there are a few few uh, nailed on spots in the team. Um, would you say Natalie Raj is another one? That well, I was okay, is, is, I mean, look... Is there a risk she gets squeezed? I mean, someone's gonna, someone in this discussion is going to miss out with a, with a formidable record, mm-hmm. and one hundred percent. And just thinking where Elise Perry's done the bulk of her uh, punishing work in the last five years, it's been at four, sometimes at six, but overwhelmingly at four. Mm-hmm. So, 
again, it kind of comes back to that idea of you're picking a team to play tomorrow. It's probably Perry at four, but Dali Raj, I mean, she's been more than a player. Um, I think, top of my head, at the start of the 2017 World Cup, she had 4,000 Twitter followers. At the end of the 2017 World Cup, she had 150,000 Twitter followers. I mean, she's been a generational influence on Indian cricket, and not just in the last 10 years, by the way, the 10 years before that mm. as well, and, and still sort of making a contribution now. So uh, it, it probably is Madali Raj, but um, it, I'm, I'm sure there are other candidates. I mean, Stefani Taylor has more runs and had a better clip than pretty much anyone, and we're yet to mention her name. She also bats number four or opens one of the two most of the time. Yeah, this is probably maybe my first contentious point where I would, I'd almost argue that Matali Raj is, out of the names that we've been talking about, is the one that's least sort of withstood this evolution in um, in terms of the, the firing power and the rates and playing for your team as opposed to for yourself. I think Matali... Again, her numbers over this period and over her career stack up to phenomenal results. But I, I wonder whether she's the one that's, that's adapted the least over the last five years. And if she'd been playing for an England or Australia, whether she'd still be playing for them at, that, at this point. Is that too I mean, they're kind of they've because it's um, they're too sort of respectful. There was that controversy, wasn't there? Yeah, in I mean, I think when Mitali she was she dropped. was dropped for the semi, wasn't she? But then they lost it spectacularly. It was sure, an awful but... match for them. So was that the wrong was that the wrong call then? It was a weird tournament, seeing the politics of that play out, ceding the captaincy to Harman Preet a little bit earlier in that format, but. Yeah, the, the internal politics of the Indian side. It, it reflects the fact, though, that she's at the end of the journey and not most of the players we're talking yeah. about, as you said, is here right in the middle of their careers. And I think her, her rate certainly has dropped off quite... quite. I mean, not dropped off so much, but has not kept up. She continues to be able to churn out 50s and 100s, and I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. Of course it's not. Mm. But I don't think that she's kind of weathered that change of, of um, calibre technique tactic as everybody else has. And, and I would say Stefani Taylor actually has. And especially where we've seen India as a team kind of on an upward trajectory over the last decade, West Indies have arguably kind of dropped off or at least had sort of peaks and troughs like you've never seen it before. And Stefani tends to perform. Um, I mean, even this year, I think she was up there in some of the top run scoring mm. charts for, for this year alone. And, and West Indies have had a horrendous year. I mean, England were annihilated then before England themselves got annihilated, annihilated by Australia. And I feel like um, Stefani... Taylor is somebody that has weathered that storm and improved her game and is very much a star of global cricket and continues mm. to be. What I was thinking about on the way here about Stefani Taylor and I can't remember if you were actually playing in this, Izzy, because it was the first year of the Super League at Bristol um, and it was and Western Storm were playing um, Surrey Stars um, and um, they and Western Storm looked absolutely dead in the water. Um, they were about 90 for four or five or something like that um, and they were chasing 160 odd um, and um, Stefani Taylor just in, in the last five overs of that game just absolutely turned it round um, and it was astounding um, as, as a kind of spectacle you just didn't you were just everyone it was one of those moments where you're in the press box and everyone's writing their press reports going oh you know Western Storm have lost uh, and she just she just single-handedly turned that game on its head and I think they won with about two or three balls to spare. It was ridiculous. So I would argue that Stefani Taylor is a match winner and Matali Raj is a match saver. And then you start one, and then you can start arguing about the finer points of what this team means. Stefani Taylor is much more inconsistent, I would say. Yeah. Um, Matali Raj is, um, she will score more runs at a lower strike rate. So it depends what we're valuing. Mm. Yeah, and, and also that, that conversation about domestic competitions, which I know this doesn't necessarily capture it, but look at the influence she had on WBBL1, look at the influence she had on KSL1. I mean, and, and as you say, Raf, 
to this to this day, she remains the most important player in that West Indies lineup. So, yeah, it's hard to split them, I suppose. And I know that we're not strictly speaking splitting; yeah. they both could make the side. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at some other names on my chart <laughs> who, who aren't missing. Um, it, it gets tough. Maybe we are sort of almost flipping a coin or having to make a tough call. Should we get back to this particular debate later on? Because I don't think we necessarily need to pick one or the other. We might we might pick both. We might pick neither. Um, <laughs> you you were you were implying that you have a couple more players. You say are definitely in for you in the three three to seven bracket. We've not talked about at least Perry yet. So I guess that's that's one. I'll just say one thing. When, often in Australia, we talk about, um, with the men, the best one-day team of all time due to the glut of World Cups they've won. Mm-hmm. And often they weight performances in World Cup tournaments, which makes me think about Harman Precourt. That century she made against New Zealand when we were in... Where were we, Raf? Uh, oh, no, that was in the other group, wasn't it? It was... Uh, uh, in um, uh, St Lucia, we were in. We were in, um, they the, were in Guyana. Guyana, they? Guyana. That's mm. right. And then you think about the semi-final of the World Cup, which we don't know. We, it's hard to quantify uh, the effect that will have on women's cricket in India. They're making that final in 2017, maybe for a decade, when it'll fully be realised. And that 171 against Australia, you know, I think we were all there that day. Um, is the most, I guess, generational innings of this last. Uh, 10 years so I think she's part of the conversation and, and also I was kind of surprised when going back through it it's not as though she, she only just started turning it on a couple of years ago she's been a pretty good performer even earlier in her career perhaps not as consistent as others but mm. there are standout moments for her at big moments which makes me wonder whether she should be weighted slightly up because she did it on the global stage I think the most impressive thing about it was that it was made against Australia ultimately in a World Cup um, well, yeah, but I think you often see big scores. You don't necessarily see them against um, kind of Australia, who notoriously, obviously, the best team um, generally at most moments in international women's cricket. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it is hard, though, because I do feel that we're massively then giving weight to one innings against um, the rest of her career. Again, I'd say Harman Preet is someone who isn't very consistent um, and is probably... is probably less consistent than Mitali Raj um, you know I just think about seeing her in the Super League either she does it um, and she's brilliant and she wins the match or she doesn't and she runs out her partner at the other end and then she messes it up kind of thing like it's 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 all or nothing um, and that innings against Australia was all but then there's been other times where it's been nothing as well yeah and I just add the New Zealand innings as well to start a tournament mm-hmm. with that, that statement she made in that first group game uh, against New Zealand who came in I, I don't know about you Raf, but I was sort of talking him up as the yeah, main contender against Australia um, so yeah it's more that it's difficult, isn't it? Where do you place big-time performances against, I guess, without diminishing um, the ICC uh, championship? But there are a lot of softer games mm-hmm. in that fixture which do inflate some of these numbers. So do we want to entertain the Martians or just beat them? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Both. We, we've still not talked about Elise Perry. Where does Elise Perry fit into this line? I think we'll, we'll get back to Harbin Break when we... Uh, yeah, kind of work out where everyone fits so we're around we're guarantees. Um, no, we're still still at number four. Okay, all the people we mentioned could still be number four, five, six, even. I think Perry's obviously definitely in there, but I think it would be fine to have her at six or seven. I agree um, yeah. because she has kind of yeah. As I think you already said Adam that she's batted down the order for Australia. It started at six, didn't it? You look at her um, profile and you look at the innings played. She goes from nine all the way through until the end of the 2013 World Cup, and then she's at six, and that's when the, that's when this ridiculous run begins. So. Yes, whilst in recent times we think of her as a four when trying to squeeze people in, there's no reason why she can't bat six. Cool, that makes life a lot easier. So let's have Perry penciled in at number six. <laughs> so how many middle-order players that leave us? Yeah, so um, we've got four and four, five. Four, five and seven. Are so. we missing anyone easy? or uh, Is there anyone we haven't mentioned who could be a contender? I want to say Sophie Devine, but I feel like that 
might be with recency bias supplied a little bit in the last two years since she went to the top of the order. And it's difficult as well with with any of the New Zealand players, to be honest. They don't play as many matches, do they, over that that period? Um, So, yeah, I was looking at even this year with New Zealand players. I mean, some of them have performed extremely well, but they haven't they played sort of half as many as either England or Australia. And you kind of think, well, then of course their their weight of runs is going to be right down, which again makes Susie Bates' achievement so remarkable. Um, Southwite? She's, the, her figures are, I mean, yes, she's a good player, a very good player, um, but her figures are inflated by the fact that she had a very, very good year um, yeah. about three years ago. Yep. She just scored, I think she scored like four centuries in one series or something. Um, so so she come, she often comes up high on the list of um, ODI run scorers just purely because of, of one purple patch. And again, I think I tend to give weight to consistency over time. She did very well in the 2013 World Cup, did she not? And then she topped the averages as well in the 2016 World T20, mm-hmm. I guess. That but, is but, over. but Lousy T20 numbers overall. So again, it comes back to that thing, doesn't mm. it? If we're picking a one-day side, Satterthwaite's probably in, but a combined side yeah, we've, probably we've, falls on the other side of the ledger. We've not actually <laughs> picked a keeper yet, so that might be an easier way of kind of working out who who surrounds Perry at six and, and Lanning at three. Not talk about Sarah Taylor. In many ways, she is she is one of the most influential cricketers of the decade, particularly in this country. Yeah, sure. Um, I know that when she re- announced her retirement recently, um, everyone was tweeting that catch at, at Hove in 2013 against Australia, that incredible one, um, just sort of full-on dive <coughs> um, to the to the reverse sweep. Um, and I remember seeing it live um, and it was just, yeah, it was just amazing. It was one of those ones where you can't quite believe it's happened um, and that was the kind of typified on the face of um, Daniel Hazel, the bowler as well, when you look at the, when you look at that, that clip back. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's got to be Sarah Taylor as the keeper. I don't. I, is is anyone going to argue with that? I mean, she's like probably the greatest keeper the women's. Well, she is the greatest keeper the women's game has ever seen. Um, and you know, people have said she's probably one of the greatest keepers the men's game has ever seen. I I personally don't. I'm not particularly keen on those kind of comparisons, but people have said it. Yeah, I think that's that's really fair, especially with her keepings involved. And I think that I would, if you're just keep picking on keeping alone, which in many respects maybe we should be. She's absolutely got to be the undisputed choice. I think one thing that is a very, I don't think anyone's guilty of making it here, but a lazy assumption, especially when Sarah Taylor retired from international cricket, was she was the wonderful keeper batter. She was a very good batter at times, again, very inconsistent, and she had some of the most standout performances, but she rarely features on the kind of weight of runs thing. Mm. And I think that's that's something that, even going into the summer when her, her place was undoubtedly a little bit, she was in fear of her place on her batting statistics alone, in that, I think a lot of people just by default think she was this great all-rounder. I think she was a, the best keeper with the potential to put on some amazing batting innings, but we have to be careful about where we put her in the batting line. I think it's partly because people remember watching her bat and when you watched her bat and she was having a good day, she was she bats so sure. beautifully. I'm, yeah. I'm talking in the present tense because she's going to keep uh, playing domestic cricket, she said, yeah. so get out there and be watching Sussex next summer because it's going to be a sight to behold because Sarah Taylor, without the mental strain that's come recently batting for England, which I think is one of the problems that she's had in terms of actually beginnings lately, um, it's, she's just, you know, I don't know that anyone bats as beautifully, but then it's not a, um, it's not a necessarily about that. Yeah, it may not be a 
pageant, but it is part. I reckon it's part of it. So two things. One, that innings down at Hove a couple of years ago, that century she made against South Africa. Um, there was a lot on the line that day. They lost the first one day um, at Worcester. They came there with an enormous amount of pressure on their head, the administration, the staff, and all the rest of it. You could feel it was palpable. And Taylor walks out and plays the most ostentatious, glorious innings. She makes 180 odd balls, and it was it was meant to be kind of thing. Um, but and look, if her batting numbers were dreadful, uh, then then maybe there could be a conversation. But there isn't because yeah. they're not. She averages you know. 38 in one-day cricket, 30 in T20 cricket, has been a match winner enough with the bat. And the other point to, um, to, to add to that is that often she was batting after keeping for 50 overs, mm. most of which up to the stumps to medium mm. paces. That's hard to do. It's very taxing being up to the stumps to you know, shrub, soul, shiver, brunt occasionally, and then having to right, walk out and bat at three, which she mm. often did or bat at four. So I think it all blends together to reflect that she is a great all-rounder. Um, by any measure I think we mark her hard because we know how good she could be on her best mm-hmm. day with the bat and if she were anyone but Sarah Taylor um, we wouldn't be having that chat we'd be grateful for the contribution she did make with the with the bat so um, yeah for mine it's a it's a no-brainer without a doubt the most skillful keeper I've seen At the start of the show you were talking about how in 10 years time you were talking about how you'd like to see coverage and the way we talk about the women's game change yep. and I think it's quite a good opportunity to reflect about how it's changed over the last 10 years as well so in our Spells of the Decade for the website uh, Rene Farrell's Fifer in the 2011 Ashes was Amazing. voted as one of them, um, and I was I I wrote uh, a little piece about it. And I was doing research about an it. excellent piece. It wasn't. Oh, cheers. Um, there was nothing on TV. It wasn't televised. It wasn't even mentioned in that year's Wizard Almanac when there were two different chapters on the concurrently. Uh, the concurrent men's tour, um, which is amazing. So there's one three-minute video of the entire Test match with interviews interspersed in the video. And I think about how much the how coverage of the women's game has changed over the last ten years. And I think Sarah Taylor is a massive part in that. Her individual bits of wiki even going viral. If yeah. you talk to somebody who doesn't know that much about cricket, let alone women's cricket, just cricket full stop, they could probably tell you who Sarah Taylor is just because they've seen the videos going viral. And now you get videos of 15-year-olds in the nets nailing it. That's amazing. And people now know uh, so much more about women's cricket. The the most liked wisdom tweet all year about anything was a catch by Harman Preet Court. It shows like, how much, how much, how, mu- how much it's changed. Well, a hat trick in a in a women's Ashes Test match wasn't even on television or written about in the women Wisden Almanac that year. Um, and I think for that reason, much anything, it's not really cricketing. But I kind of feel I feel, I feel wrong not having Taylor in the side. Um, but the question is, where do we where do we batter? We've put Perry at six. We can change that. Um, do we put Taylor at seven or five, or push Perry down seven and put Taylor at six? don't think she ever batted that low for England. Mm. It is um, an elegant way of doing it though, isn't it? Given we've got the, the, the log jam mm. with a keeper traditionally batting seven. I know it's not perfect, but it seldom is, right? As long as she's in, I'm not going <laughs> to make a fuss. Yeah. Cool. That's a great point though about the virality of her wicket keeping. I mean, that's, that's a big part of her legacy. Because of the generation she played and the coverage on television and the way that clips could be chopped up and, and memed, if you like, and, and so on. And, uh, yeah, people will, will remember. I am Mike Selby, from, uh, former uh, chief cricket correspondent at The Guardian, argues till he's blue in the face that she's the best women's cricketer of all time. Um, and, and he's, I'm not without speaking for Mike, but when he's written about it before, he's building that around what she was her potential and the way she executed on some days and that a lot of that has to do with the fact that she's just a just a glorious wicketkeeper um and and up to the stumps so often i mentioned it before but that's no easy task being up to the stumps all day long so we've got two spaces in at four and five 
we've got Perry at six. And then Perry at six, Taylor at seven, Lanny at three. So our two gaps are at four and five. I'm gonna I'm gonna rally for Stefani Taylor at four. Yep, sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's right. Who? So, but we've got another spot. Yes, so we do. Yes, we do. We've um. So who we've, is it between? Harman Preet, Harman Preet, Tali Raj, Amy Sathway. Um, we haven't mentioned Heather Knight, although I don't think no. she's quite in that conversation, yeah. despite performances that have been considerable. I think, yeah, it's Sophie one of the Devine. things about doing a team of the decade is that people who um, people whose careers have had ro- the wrong spans, um, if that makes any sense, yep. um, and have kind of debuted at the wrong time, don't necessarily then fit the narrative quite so well. So it's just it's just the way that we're doing it. I don't think Heather Knight probably um, warrants a place. So then there's Mandana. I mean, I know Mandana opens the batting, but look too, at too recent again. Yeah, it, it seems so recent, but it feels so significant. I don't know. It, 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 there's, there's, there's a player. You look at Harman Preet and Mandana. Who's been more influential in the Indian cricket team in the last ten years? Um, I don't know if I can answer that. Yeah, but above either of them across the decade is Raj. Is yeah, it's Raj. Raj. It's yeah. got to be. And I suppose you could say that for most of the decade, even though there's been more T Twenty tournaments, fifty over cricket has been the the principal outlet for women's cricket. Still, that, that's changing with with the T Twenty domestic comps, but. It, it probably does weight in in Dali Raj's favour. Here at five. Yeah, I think so. I think if we because now it's no longer a Stefani Matali sort of trade yeah. off. I think I'd, I'd happily concede. <laughs> so happy with both. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to go. It's with quite it. a nice juxtaposition as well because you've, you've got that as I say the match winner and the match saver kind of coming in one after the other. We can change them up as well. We could we could depend depend on how well Bates and Edwards go at the top of the innings. We could see where we're at and then maybe change them around so I think if we were picking this team next year if we were going team of the decade if we were going team of the decade when the decade really is which is 2011 <laughs> to 2020 I was that guy in 2000 saying that, did you, that a million years ago um, I would say Sophie, Sophie Devine would be in it I just feel like the last two years since she went to the top of the order in the 50 over side the way that's cascaded through her, um, her cricket I mean the way she played in WBBL this year so consistent just one kind of black sheep I guess to throw in there and who doesn't feature that much on an, on any of the sort of leading run score lists is Alex Blackwell yeah and the reason I mention her is because she's kind of been the the constant rock around which an extremely sex- successful um, Australian team has pivoted um, and I almost think that she does a lot of stuff not so much behind the scenes, but the kind of the unsexy stuff, the back of the innings, uh, a few red inkers, but not necessarily scoring huge weights of runs. Um, she's obviously an incredible fielder and extra cover as well. Um, she's got a great cricket brain. She's somebody who's been integral to their team, Australia's success. I mean, I'm, I don't think she's, we can really argue for her necessarily in this team of the decade, but I think she's someone that is worth considering who you might not have thought of just from the statistics. Is that fair? Yeah. That's quite a weak kind of argument, but... Well, I'd, I'd add two more things to that. She captained a, a global trophy win and she captained an Ashes win in 2011. So, I mean, if she were in the side, you could build a case that she's captain of the side, but if she's not in the side, obviously she, she's not going to be the leader, but... Um, she's on, way on, to fit on, her in, though. That's, we, I mean, it, it, it would be around the middle order. Yeah, it would um, be the Dali Raj spot, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I just remember at Derby... Um, because yeah. her, what she did was completely overshadowed by Harman Preet, obviously. But um, there was a moment with her coming in at seven, maybe, um, when Australia were chasing this mammoth total and just going, oh, maybe, maybe they might do it. And yeah. she had that um, that uh, big partnership with um, with Kristen Beams, didn't she? Um, yeah. And you kind of go, oh, hang on. 
something might happen here and the journalist just starting to get a little bit nervous and then no um but you know and that but that kind of typifies the fact that um people won't remember that um because everything everyone will remember harm and pre everyone will remember the kind of the big the sexy innings um rather than the kind of the real grafting she's like a grafter and i'd argue that a lot of her achievements and her runs have come in sort of in second place there's always been another standout performance yeah. and and I think, I mean, luckily, in a way, she's she's now remembered just because she has been so successful in such a successful outfit for such a long period of time. But she's never really remembered for that one thing or that, that match-winning performance where actually she's, she's been an integral part. Is she unfortunately going to be in second place for our number five slot, though? Is she going to push Mitali out? Can we have her on the bench? Just as we, like yeah, 12, 100%. Twelfth's not a bad show. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Good around the players, good around yeah. the group, <laughs> yeah. as they say in Australian parlance. And everyone seems to be selecting on that these days. Yeah, <laughs> she made 90 or 50 in that in that innings you're talking about there at Derby. 90 which, or 50? Which is in stru- right. contrast to the way I, mean, I interviewed her, I think I might have been before that tournament, maybe the summer before, about the way she became a T20 player. So the way she evolved from being, what you say, that, that traditional glue grafter mm. does the hard yards to becoming someone who in later years, changed her game entirely to fit with T20 as the women's game was evolving at a rapid rate of knots. Oh, yeah, and, and led, even this season led, led the WBBL. WBBL. Yeah. yeah, first yeah. year. They were the, oh, the first year she led yep. the first year title. Certainly I mean, did. you know, pioneer in many respects. She, she's one that did adapt, really did adapt. And more games than anyone, I reckon, in this decade. Yeah. 250, well, more than anyone for Australia anyway. I, 250 I all to... up, but I think, I think I'm right in saying it in the, in the decade that we're in, she played more times than anyone for Australia. I want her around the group. 12. Fantastic. So we've got a top seven at the moment of Bates, Edwards, Lanning, Taylor, Raj, Perry, Taylor. What a team. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we've got four more to choose. Um, so first of all, Izzy, are there any are there any spin bowlers? I know we've got Stefani Taylor already in the team, but do we have any other spin bowlers that you would like to see in, in our Earth 11 against the Martians? I'm quite, I've always enjoyed Deneva Kirk. And she's, again, somebody that's, that's been around, spanned the kind of decades. And I think she's grown not just in terms of her bowling, but in terms of her stature, in terms of her all-round game as well. She's an exciting player. She's often, um, it's her bowling performances often dug out South Africa rather than her batting. Um, but you also have that nice little light so that you can dangle around and be like, oh, she can bat as well and wag the tail. Um, yeah, I think she's somebody from a, an aesthetic sort of point of view as well. Obviously, a, you know, big turning leg spinner as opposed to someone like Jess Jonathan who actually arguably probably on the statistics has a, has a warrant to place more so but not that Jess Jonathan is boring <laughs> <laughs> it's just a left arm spinner doesn't turn that much and Deneva Nierkirk every time she comes on I think this, this could be fun yeah sure well um, she was the uh, <laughs> don't say that very convincing <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because I don't know that she's going to make the final team, yeah. but she should be in contention. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, I think um, 2017 World Cup, um, it's often forgotten that she took quite a lot of wickets in that tournament. I think she yep. might have even been up there with one of the leading wicket takers in that she tournament. Was the she was. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so there you go. Um, but kind of a bit unsung, I guess, because South Africa didn't quite get over the line in that semi final. Um, but uh, sorry, in the, yeah, in the semi final against England. Yeah. Um, so, but. If if that had gone differently, then then who knows? And that, you know that was a really good result for them. That was and it was such an exciting match. Um, and so yeah, I think that she is often um, that she has been instrumental to the success that South Africa have enjoyed. Um, although you know it, it's maybe offset by the fact that I guess they haven't kind of managed to win a global trophy. And you know how much weight do you give to to that to sort of performances in? Finals versus semi-finals versus the group stages. Are we talking about men's or women's cricket? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a collision here, isn't it? Because a lot of the women's spinners are batters. Mm. Whether that's 
by design or by coincidence or whatever it is, but you look down at their records and on some days I kind of mount the argument to myself that Jess Jonathan shouldn't be in the Australian team. Of course I'm wrong, but I, I think, well, hang on. You know, it looks like there's a more capable spinner there in Sophie Molyneux. You look like there's a deeper batting bench there, although she's incredibly consistent as a test 99, of course, in the other half century on a, in, in a, in a low-scoring match a couple of years ago at Canterbury. Um, and then you look at Tanae Van Niekerk, who spins the ball big in the best tradition of wrist spinners, drops two balls and over, which are four balls, but two balls and over are unplayable. Um, the, the more um, exaggerated extension of that is Sunay Luce, who's got this ridiculous set of numbers, but I wouldn't have her, personally, I wouldn't have her in contention due to the volume of poor balls as it relates to, 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 to wicket-taking balls, but yet her numbers stack up. And then, she, I suppose... she always takes her wickets bowling a full toss. That's yeah, well, the, that's, that's the Sunay Luce special. The best well, of well, but maybe that's also in the best tradition of leggies, I don't know, like you see, a, lot of, a lot of cricketers have, have had that sort of career. Uh, and then Poonan Yadav is another player who I would aesthetically say, well, look, I'm, I'm not really thinking of her as a as a viable contender for this side, but that's looking through the goggles of someone who's watched men's cricket for, I'm 35 now, so have a long of my life watching, and, she, and her style of bowling wouldn't succeed there, but it's, it's different, isn't it? You've got to remember that um, there's a reason why they find Poonan Yadav hard to play. It's because of the trajectory in which she bowls from. So this is a tricky one because do we consider the fact that Denis Van Niekerk bats in the top four usually sometimes a bit lower nationally but certainly um in in the t20 game bats in the top four and, and jess Jonathan has been so effective as a, as a mm. batter as well uh at I, different parts of her career does, does that get brought into the conversation i, I don't think it does i think we've, we've picked a, a world-class top seven i think we should just focus on the bowling as much yeah. as possible maybe if it's a total dead heat but if there were a legitimate spinner I'll put it this way if there were a leg spinner or an off spinner who batted number 11 apart from mm. punam yadav who does who stood out I think that'd be obvious, but I think that, that does muddy it mm. a bit. Sanamir as well. Sanamir. Shouldn't um, forget about Sanamir. Absolutely. And I think she also comes into the um, Stefani Taylor mould of somebody that's had to really carry that team over absolutely. a period where it's almost regressed a little bit as well. And she has, she's a consistent performer. Mm. Um, she's a leader as well. Um, she is somebody that is, oh, you can't, you can't not consider her. We've got four spinners here now. Yeah. In a way, I think um, Deneva Nikirk, Sanamir, um, Prunami Alav, I guess, and Jess Jonathan that we're kind of arguing over in a way. And they're all quite different spinners as well. Mm. Really different spinners. And so this goes back to what deck are we playing on? Who are we playing? What you know? What are the conditions? Was it 50 or 20? If we're going longevity, then it's, though it's got to be Sanamir. The others are um, kind of, their success um, has come much more recently, I think. I love the idea of picking Sinamir. She's one of my favourite players in the world um, for lots of reasons. Yeah. And you look at her incredible story. I mean, she goes back all the way to when Pakistan cricket got turned on its head around 2006 and she was one of the players charged with the responsibility of driving it into a new generation. And, and that she did proudly. I think she was ranked number one bowler in the world briefly last year or mm -hmm. might have taken the most amount of wickets in 2019, so something like that. But but yes, I, it's funny, isn't it? Because we think of women's cricket as being spin to win, right? We always write it and say it and talk about it. But um, this is probably the toughest call so far. Um, as you say, um, her, her longevity, Sanamir, then there's the, the capacity of others. And then, like again, if we're picking a team in a year or two's time, I'd say Sophie Eccleston, yeah, if she gets yeah. two more years under her belt, she's the, the best spinner in the world right now. 
Well, what you were just saying just now about Sanomir being ranked number one just last year, I think is really pertinent to this argument because if I think, if someone says Sanomir, I kind of picture her in the Charlotte Edwards era. I yep. think of her sort of, her golden days being in the early 2010s. But actually she's the third task breaker taker between 2015 and 2019. So she's mm. she's still got it <laughs> um, without wanting to, you know, to, to be rude about it she's she's somebody that not only succeeded in, in that in the first half I think she's somebody that's still going um, and still wants to go on and hasn't and has adapted so maybe- in, an, in an era as well um, where I think that we do to some extent have to take into consideration the context again in which these players are operating um, so in an era of kind of everything being dominated by um, the in, intense money going into the English and Australian setups um, and a lot of focus going on um, domestic competitions like the Super League and the um, and the WBBL um, for players um, in countries like Pakistan where they don't have these same kind of opportunities this same kind of money um, actually to to take that many wickets and to perform that well is almost a, a, a kind of more impressive achievement if that makes sense this is this is this is rough isn't it because I, I feel like any team of the decade that doesn't have Denis van Eekirk in it is selling a short but equally I love the idea of people seeing this and seeing the Sanamir story and going and reading a bit about it and um, and, and the broader contributions she's made to Pakistani cricket I think that is part of it though I think that should yeah. be part of the discussion I mean it's not it's I know we are just picking a team, but it's also talking about the overall con- contribution yeah. to the last ten years. And then, yeah. Sana Sana does have quite. A She's an incredible person. That. She's truly like amongst the most impressive people I've met in my life. Okay, now I'm worried because we're going to have so many incredible leaders in this group. <laughs> There's going to oh, be yeah. fisticuffs. There's going to be issues true. here. By the way, <laughs> someone's going to storm out. Yeah. We have to decide on a captain actually <laughs> because we've got all the basically all the captains in yeah. there. Yeah, team of eleven captains. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Are we are we going to go for Sanamir then? I think I think on those grounds, I think we, we probably should. Good stuff. I like that. I love Wonderful. it. So we'll get yelled at for that. By the way, <laughs> that'll be the one we get yelled at for in this eleven. But that's okay. I can live with that. We've I'll got the fight. Let's go to the pace attack. Um, Colo, any standout names for you? Oh gosh, there's a there's there are so many people vying for three spots. Aren't there? I know. I think this is the one that I was most worried about. I mean, I, th- I think Megan shoots the most um, most skillful. I suppose you would say Anya Shrubsoul, big stage, a couple of times in global tournaments. Catherine Brunt, longevity, what a career. Um, it, yeah, this is Jolan uh, Goswami. I mean, Christ. I mean, we're talking about the the impact that Madhali Raj and Harman mm-hmm. Kaur have made on and Smithy Randana on Indian cricket. But you can't leave her out of that conversation as well. Um, I'm just opening up with four. That, that's me being non-committal. Um, I'll come back with, when I firmed up a view. Okay. Well, I think that you've got to have Goswami in there. Yeah. Um, I know that I'm obsessed with this idea of longevity, but it just makes so much more sense to have people in the team of the decade who actually were playing at the start of the decade yeah. as well as at the end of the decade. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think that her numbers recently, even even recently, still stack up. Um, I was really struck actually interviewing um, a number of players during the 2017 World Cup and saying, um, who is the most dangerous um, bowler that you've ever faced? Um, and about three or four of them all said Julian Goswami. Mm. And I was a bit surprised because they could have picked anyone. Um, but obviously, she, you know, she does have that reputation and has had that reputation for a long time as being someone who can kind of come in and turn a game on its head. Um, yeah. And I think her sheer physical proportions as well is something that we don't see that much in the women's game. You haven't got somebody that's six foot whatever she is and coming in from that height and using that height and the, the angle, the bounce with a swing, I think is, is kind of 
the reason altogether why people find her so hard to face. Um, I mean, the one thing I would say about Goswami is that almost because she's got such a reputation, sometimes her her figures get taken out of context. I think there was a period, there was a match. I think it was England against India, one of the ODIs over um, in the early part of 2019, when Shikapandi took a three for and. Goswami took a three for, and Shikapandi took more top order batters and for le- fewer runs, but Goswami still won player of the match. And I think that's, that kind of rests on the fact that there's, there's this kind of aura around Goswami. But that's, not, that's no bad thing. I mean, great. Um, I'll just throw in the conversation. We've got Elise Perry in the side already, who's probably taking the new ball, which pr- might mean that we can look at, along with Goswami, who I think probably picks herself, a second spinner, which might, yeah, take, no, us, might take us back to that idea of Van Niekerk as, as turning the ball the other way. Sure, but I'd also say that I'd pick Goswami over Perry as, as, as a sort of nailed-on starter with a new ball because Perry, Perry's yep. got quite an up-and-down record with the ball. Like She either bursts through attacks or she gets smacked around a little bit. Yeah, but she's going to get her 10 overs, right? If we're playing it or, it's, or a four, she'll be at, at worst the fifth bowler. And That's not always with a new ball. No, sure. I'm just observing that Like, if, if we're picking... I just I reflexively said three seamers. That's yeah. all. I, I think that it, where Perry fits into that mixer, um, she's probably going to be one of the seamers used in the game, which does open it up to Goswami and one other specialist seamer. And then a- if Perry's bowling ten overs, I'd be so grieved if Goswami isn't bowling at all. <laughs> you can have both. Well, not I'm, 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 not saying, I'm not saying either or. I'm saying pick them both. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm we've all, of... But we've already got Perry in the team. Anyway. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I definitely wasn't saying about... Upset. No, I don't want to be um, positioned as saying... I, I think Gazwami's in. I'm just noting that along with Gazwami and Perry, you, you might have one more seamer. Okay, well, I think um, it's pretty clear who that should be. Um, mm. And it's got to be Jenny Gunn, hasn't it? I mean, I think you must have all been expecting me to say that, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Not just, wrong. Just a true great of <laughs> women's cricket. Great, can um, we just have five minutes here so that <laughs> <laughs> Raf can... Um, I, do, I do think... I, 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 uh, I'm being slightly facetious, but I do think that um, if we are looking kind of across the whole decade, um, she took a lot of wickets in that time, um, was for a long period England's leading wicket-taker in ODIs. Um, her economy rates are just stupid. Her economy rate in tests is like 1.5. It's just ridiculous um, and um, incredibly difficult to face. Can I have a suggestion here? I feel like she's our Blackwell equivalent. I think okay. she's somebody that's, again, been um, integral to a team success over a period of time, has quite often been the sort of the second best performer in any given match or any given victory. Obviously extremely knowledgeable tactical about the game. Can we pick her as 13th? Is that a sort of, is that viable if you've got a batter and a bowler? Yeah, yeah it's, it's allowed. I mean, it I'm depends okay on how much that. space we've got in the shuttle to Mars. But <laughs> I think, I mean, I think it's just, you know, not just a bowler. She's genuine, yeah. genuine yeah. all-rounder in her mm. day. Um, yeah. I, I think that all that's obviously accurate. That's that's a lovely tribute to um, the recently retired gun that is Jenny Gunn. Um, but as far as who the other opening bowler, or the other frontline seamer, let's call it. Like, let's take away that. I mean, it, it sort of gets squirreled down to, I think, shoot, brunt, shrub sole. And, 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 and sorry, um, Marazan Cap, I've neglected to mention. But um, another South African as well, Shabnam Ismail. Shabnam Ismail's got amazing numbers. I, I didn't realise how good her numbers were. She's yes. probably one I, I enjoy watching the most. Yeah. I just don't think that somebody so small can generate so much pace. She once said to me, um, oh, what was it? It was something like, I just want to be the fastest bowler in the world. Or something like that. I just, <laughs> just love the way that she, she takes on that title. Uh, yes, how do we break it down though? So Raph? we've got 
there seems to be a general consensus that Goswami makes a side. So that means we have two slots left. That's either for two seam bowlers or one seam bowler and one spinner. Can I ask Raf, what are you doing out of Shrub Soul and Brant? Yeah, we've not talked if, about if, either. If, yet. if it comes out of those two, I know it's like picking between your your pets or something like that, whatever the analogy is. But <laughs> how, how do you how do you how do you um, pick a player for the side? Shrub Soul with the big big game, you know, big moment. Uh, career and then and I guess brunt with the consistency over a really long period of time and the pace yeah I think similarly I guess to what I said about Harman Freak's beginnings earlier versus the consistency of Mitali Raj over a whole period of time yep. I'd probably on that basis I'd have to go with um, Catherine Brunt yep. um, just and I, and I don't think that that's necessarily um, that, that I'm necessarily wrong about that I think so I would say um, if you want someone who um, is on their day, can um, come in and um, bowl an over and change the course of a game. Um, Catherine Brunt would be your person to do it. Yep. The only thing is you've got to get her a bit angry beforehand. <laughs> um, so an angry Catherine Brunt charging in at her peak. I mean, we've not seen her bowling um, as quickly as she used to recently because of all the pro- problems that she's had with injuries with her back. Um, but, you know, she at one point was definitely the quickest bowler in the world in the women's game um, and just charging in kind of almost reminiscent of a bull. I mean that in the in mm. the nicest possible way. Um, just, yeah, that aggression and that kind of sheer force of nature and, and force of personality um, she would probably swing it for me again it's not an either or we can have we can have both see I yeah. would I would probably have I would probably have both of them I would probably mm. have and I would probably only have one spinner um, but mm. I I may be overruled in that yeah I mean I, I, I think Megan Shute is the most skillful bowler that I've seen and watched and I know she's had most success in the T20 format um, but she's played successfully in test matches with Red Bull um, across 50 over as well she's a sort of banker now for the Australian team and it's difficult because I think her, her, her path has definitely been an upward trajectory that was started reasonably low in the international scene I mean she, she really struggled to get into the team for quite a few years got very frustrated um, and and it's only been maybe the last four or five years where she's become sort of the foremost white ball bowler in the world and can we judge on that alone? I I think that yeah, her skill is is the is the best of any bowler of a decade. Yeah, I, I suppose if you're looking at shoot, you should group her with Cap. In that both are frugal, both are incredibly accurate, both have ridiculous ICC rankings points at all times. Like they're, yeah. they're the two you can't remove. They're, they're kind of always juggling one and two between them for the seamers in both formats, really. So Cap as the attack leader at South Africa, but also alongside Shabnam Ismail, I suppose, as, as the speedster, but plays that kind of consistent role in the same way that uh, that Shoot does. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's flip of a coin for those two for mine. And, 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 I, and I don't know about the... I'm still not entirely convinced that it sh- there should be one spinner. And I only say that because the volume of women's games, which... Stefani Taylor. Stefani Taylor, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's not wrong. Stefani Taylor being there helps helps on, on that front but only having one frontline spinner yeah. how often do you see a women's game where there's one frontline spinner like kind of never it's very very rare there's not two spinners in a side um, and there's kind of a reason for that it's because tracks that women play on um, often have been uh, more susceptible to spin or slower or turned more and all the rest of it so whether that's right or wrong if the game were being played you're probably going to have a second spinner whether that means um, you know um, I think we kind of if it was Vinnie Kirk or 
or um, uh, what was the other spinner we were debating? We had Vinnie Kirk and Jonathan. Jonathan. Whether one of those two, would, would you pick Jonathan ahead of shoot? I mean, you see, know, I, I, I'm, hard to see. On my mind, I'm thinking I want shoot in as a seaman. I want uh, Vinnie Kirk in as well. again, just because she's is that diversity of spin as well. Yeah, um, moves it away from the bat. We're yeah. generating a little bit of. Uh, Marital discord there, though, aren't we? If we don't have, uh, if we don't have Marazan Kappen as well, then aren't we? This could be. Yeah, I don't think that should necessarily come. Spur her on. Um, are we missing anyone? Obvious. I feel like without having a doctor in front of we me, we haven't mentioned Anissa Mohammed, oh, um, whose yes. um, numbers numbers are are brilliant um, and has kind of been playing um, across the whole decade as well if we're if we're going by that um i think she actually debuted in like 2003 or something she's been going for quite a while and i think because she was like 14 or 15 when she made her international debut um and i guess she's another one of these ones that um doesn't doesn't really hasn't really kind of had the spotlight uh, and sort of goes under the radar but just you look at her numbers and i think she's got like more five wicket hauls in international cricket than any other bowler um quite quite kind of canny as a spinner um so something to think about maybe potentially her her record isn't as consistent depending on opposition yeah. i think there was one year where she averaged seven or something and a lot of them the, a lot of those wickets came in a world cup qualifier because um, i think that's not been, to totally discount it have always been forced to play mm. in a bunch of these world cup qualifiers which again you know it's it's, it's international cricket mm. um worth mention but know any of the team <laughs> fair enough just yeah. bring it up um, <laughs> it feels like with a crunch is coming here yes in if if like if we've got Brunner here to shrub soul in the in the depth chart, and that's no reflection on Anya, by the way. It's just the way we're doing this. And you've got shoot above cap. Is that where we landed? Is yeah, it? I think yeah. you were sort of. Oh, I'd go cap ahead ahead cap of ahead shoot. shoot yeah. Sorry, I, I think I've I, well because her yeah. batting as well. Yeah, but, but, but we're not really taking. But we're trying to avoid that. We mustn't. But why not? Because because, because our top this. seven is so good, they're going to score all the runs for us anyway. Okay. She won't get a bat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I don't know. I'm good yeah, at these okay, marshes. but I still think. Maybe so in T Twenty, I definitely go cap ahead of shoot um, because I just think there's nobody else um, who's so kind of good at um, being economical. If you look at her, yeah. um, if you look at her economy rate, it's just ridiculous. I think okay, fine. I'm happy to see it as well because I, th- I feel like if we were doing a decade from I don't know 2015 to 2025, shoot will be in there, but maybe cap also has that, that longevity over there. The, the decade yeah I, I think I think um, Shoot also enjoys a ridiculous economy right um, okay yeah, and, and has played fair. well in big tournaments uh, she's got a really good recent Ashes record yeah incredible and um, <laughs> but it's a bit like saying Virat Kohli will never be a great because he's never scored an Ashes ton I mean, yeah. it's, a bit un- it's a bit unfair yeah. no but it is the other yeah that is true it's, it is unreasonable but it, it's more the, the, it's more this reinforcing that she's got good big game form I suppose mm. and Caps played in a side which with the exception of the 2017 World Cup semi-final campaign, like they've not been successful on the global stage. Um, by that I mean big tournaments. I'm not not saying that they're not successful in, in bilateral series, which occasionally they are. Um, and and I'm sort of coming back to the second spinner thing only because it does feel a little bit tiny bit unbalanced, especially when Perry will be bowling a fifth of the overs if it's a limited overs game, and let's assume it is. Mm. If you've got Perry Goswami, Sanamir. So, but hang on, we can't take account of the bowlers batting, but we can take account of the batters bowling. I think we do yes, because we I think Always. we do because it's different. They're actually doing the, yeah. Well, I think we are on that. Sorry, I think that has to because Perry would bowl. Uh, Perry gets picked on either. If, if Perry didn't bat, she'd be. We'd be talking about her as a bowler, whereas I don't think we'd be talking about Cap as a batter, if not for her bowling. If that makes sense, 
like Perry legitimately would be talked about as one of the. Fu- but then that's really that really disadvantages all rounders, doesn't it? But unless they're, gener- it doesn't really because if if you're a generational rounder, it's hard details, to distinguish details. whether you're. I mean, take someone like historically the the measure always was about a great all rounder. You don't know whether they're primarily a batter or a bowler. That's the definition of truly like great. You, you know, I, I reticent to talk about men here, but um, the greats of that seventies eighties era, they were all both, and that's kind of Perry. Perry's both. So if we're accepting she's bowling a fifth of the overs, we've already got three seamers. Does that mean we need a second spinner? But then Go again, t- Taylor's going to bowl if you, if you needed to. She's going to bowl a fifth of the overs, though? I, I just want to have Annie Cook in there for, for yeah. entertainment reasons as well, um, wildcard reasons, yep. trying to match discount winner. match winner reasons, okay, um, so leadership. Oh, my goodness. There's so, gonna be we so need many any fights. Leadership? <laughs> we've got a leggy, then we need um, I'm also, then, I don't know whether have, I should be counting this as well, but I'm also thinking about sort of national break uh, breakdown um yeah it's nice to have people from mm-hmm. all over um but then but, that but, kind of gets negated if we pick cap but i think even even uh w- without taking that into consideration it sounds like you two at least are pretty on board with the idea raf can you get on board with the idea of van Eekirk on the side as well sure cool I can get on board well so let's so we're gonna get rid of a same uh, so or we have, or cap um, well, can we just get them to fight it out to the <laughs> death? <laughs> Brunt cap or Bomb shoot. Cap or shoot. Cap or shoot. Oh god. Oh god. Okay. Well, I think that um, that Brunt's got to be in there for longevity. Which rules out cap and shoot. I'm probably okay with that. I feel. I think we have an eleven. I feel like uh, the only way to go, isn't it? Is he yeah. cap, cap over Brunt, or are you? No, I. I think. <laughs> In a way, I don't want to say it's a compromise, but I think that you almost have. Um, if I think, if I'm thinking between cap and shoot, who don't, who's who don't want to throw the ball in a moment of madness, I throw it to shoot. But then I say cap's probably the most consistent. But then I'd say Brunt almost has the qualities of both yep. that you can draw from. So, so yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing to compromise on that. It's a pretty good bowling lineup. It's a pretty good team, full stop. Pretty good team. Are we are we happy with our eleven? What is it? Yeah, it's ready that. Our eleven is Bates, Edwards, Lanning, Taylor, Raj, Perry, Taylor, Van Nika, Brunt, Mir, Goswami, with Blackwell and Gunn on the bench. <laughs> you know, what? I think I also think Blackwell and Gunn would be able to sort of placate a few of the, the egos. Yeah, that's that's why yeah. they're so great. Um, both lovely people who Black- yeah have no ego whatsoever. Blackwell and Gunn's got a really good ring to it as well. <laughs> Could be a law firm. Yeah, Yeah. a regional law firm. (laughs) Well, Blackwell's on the Cricket Australia board. Maybe the next step is that Jenny Gunn gets elevated to the board of the ECB at some stage. That's not going to happen. That's a campaign that you can run around. (laughs) Okay, right. I can get behind it. Are we we all happy with the team? I think so. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thank you all so much for coming. Really appreciate you taking the time. This has been the first of our three Wizen Cricket Weekly Decade in Review podcast. Uh, The next one will be out tomorrow, so keep your ears peeled for that one. Thank you very much. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.